So Vivek has uh, said there is no subject, <clears throat> which is good and wonderful in one sense, because there is only one subject and none other. There is only one reality and there are countless ways we can approach it. That's the ancient teaching of the great Vedas and Upanishads. But the problem arises that uh, though we say that there is one reality and there are many ways of approaching it, we have been still categorizing the ways into traditional systems of this path and that path. But this is not what is meant by approaching in countless ways. It means that we should live in an age, and I think we are indeed living in an age, where uh, we can approach this reality in everyday event and circumstance of our lives. And if we cannot do it, that means we have missed something in the great teachings. Much before we these different paths of yogas came into existence and the um, you know, we had the great Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, which uh, codified the whole free and flexible movement toward the infinite. What did we have? We had seekers who were seekers after truth, after bliss, after beauty, after the love that sustains this creation. And I think that is the common ground at which all of us meet as human beings. And um, it is the common substrate of our humanity. I think if one has to define humanity, there are so many ways of defining it. And if you look at it biologically and rationally and etc., etc. But the common ground of all humanity is that there is a constant seeking. And I have a feeling if this seeking is not there, then something is missing in our lives. Uh, we are not really qualified as being humans. And the beauty of this seeking, of course, initially it takes the form of questions, but behind the questions there is a quest. And this seeking, as I said, <clears throat> the moment it is satisfied with any system, any theory, any set of beliefs, any set of ideas, opinions, viewpoints, then we become encrusted over, fossilized, fit for a museum specimen and nothing more. And when we have the seeking alive, then we are forever young. That defines our humanity, if I may say so. Why does it define it? Because the problems and the challenges and the questions that we face at a level of existence, actually in reality they are meant as a spur to make us grow, go beyond. That's why there are, I mean, animals face their own issues. They don't use questions, but they have their own issue. And they find their own solutions at their own levels. But actually the solution lies in taking a step beyond that frame. That's why these questions, these stirrings, these uh, seekings are there. And it's a sad day for any of us when we feel that we know and you know we have everything out here in the head in the form of a jumble. And life is too happy, too satisfied and too satisfied to aspire anything further. So this constant state of aspiration, this is something very beautiful I find in Mother and Shurbindo. One of the things, one of the many things, is they are not, they don't stop with one experience, one realization. I can't imagine, you know, Shurbindo with, uh, you know, 19, 
109, he had all the possible great yogic realizations that one can imagine. He had the experience of Nirvana, the experience of Advaita, the infinite, the experience of the great world mother and the experience of Vasudevam Sarvamiti Samhatma Chadurlabha. So all that was necessary for him after that was to become a teacher or a master and go around, spread the word. But Shiobindu withdraws into something still greater, still greater. And if I look through the movement, their journey, Mother and Shiobindu, what's awe-inspiring is that even after every possible experience and realizations, they are going still further. There is one of the, you know, some people say Shobindu writes very long sentences, but actually he has written some very powerful, power-packed, very small sentences. Like one of them in the life divine is, and yet there is a beyond. Now, you know, it opens doors and vistas of realizations. This is what I also find in the rishis of the Vedas and the Upanishads. They were not stuck. We have now turned it into schools of philosophies. This is Vedanta. This is a school of philosophy. And then, you know, we have preachings and teachings. But they were seekers above all. And this is the main thing that I find uh, among the many things very, very beautiful. That Look at the Divine Mother. Even, even at in her 90s, she is still aspiring at the most cellular level, at the atomic level, that how this can experience the Divine. How this can taste. How the body cells can taste the sweet honey streams of paradise, which one finds in inner states of consciousness. So when we, and, and these are events, these are things which are taking place within, which are going to impact, you know, in, in years and decades and centuries to come. Because I remember one of these subjects, I don't know whether I saw it rightly or wrongly, but I had a flash that probably you wrote somewhere, current events, and that made me smile. <laughs> because, yeah, you sent a mail about current events, and the two current events that came to my mind was, which were happening on 21st June, mm-hmm. One was the International Yoga Day, which I think is a landmark event, all said and done, especially because it, uh, maybe some people are aware and some are not. Uh, you know the significance of 21st June? Why 21st June? It came spontaneously, but there is something very interesting about 21st June with relation to Mother and Shubindo. Yes? The Arya was conceived on 21st June. Yes, it is there. It's, it's documented. So it was not just a casual meeting of dates. So 21st June, but look, you know, today we have the International Yoga Day. Now, when was, when did this whole thing was, when was it foreseen? When we talk about current events, 100 years back, more than that, you know, if you read the very first page of Synthesis, Shubindo says that Indian yoga is one of those, not, not everything, but one of those things which are going to uh, which is stepping out of the caves to be given to the world at large in the sum total of human utility. So it's stepping out of the caves. Now I can't uh, conceive when when was this happening in you know 1914, 1915. But today we can literally say that it has stepped out of the caves. It has stepped out of its ashramas and it is spreading into the world. So when we speak about an event, we normally speak about something which is happening today and we may say that you know International Yoga Day started on this very day but we can equally say with a greater and deeper truth that the International Yoga Day its foundation was laid when Sri conceived of Indian yoga stepping out into the 
some total of human, you, you know, um, activities which are useful to humanity. Uh, and, and this is very important, uh, this is very relevant to all of us. I'll come to that just a little later. Uh, for example, you know, Shivabindu gives another example of French Revolution. And he says, a mystic sitting in the mountain tops dreamed of freedom. And, you know, much later we had the French Revolution in which people fought wars for freedom, <laughs> fought war for equality and fraternity. You know, because somebody sitting on the mountain tops dreamed that such a state is possible. The reason why we need to understand is that we, we have two choices. One is to become a helpless victim of events and circumstances which are projected on the TV and we say, oh, this has happened. Oh my God, this has happened. Oh, why did this happen? And then we, you know, discuss, we lament or we are happy and we forget about it. You know, International Yoga Day, great thing and we feel very joyous inside. <laughs> or some other thing takes place and we are very unhappy about it. And that's being a helpless victim to circumstances and events. And to talk about events in that light is meaningless. It's like, okay, this has happened. How do we deal with it? But what we don't realize is that we have our own role to play in the creation of events. And that's how I look at it. That one is the very surface where we see the events and circumstances. And these events and circumstances on the surface, they are, Shobindo says, they are the result of subliminal quiverings. A very interesting word. Savitri has used the word subliminal quiverings. What is going on inside? Sometimes like a whisper which we don't hear. Sometimes like a little hope. Uh, sometimes like a state of despair. It could be, you know, either ways. And these quiverings are the material we offer to the world master for doing what he wants to do with it. So people who say that fate is, it is fated. Well, we are the one who offered the material. <laughs> and then, yes, it becomes fated in the sense this is the material. It's like if we go to a uh, tailor master and say, please make a dress out of it. And we offer a very crude stuff. What is he going to do? He will make a dress. But it may be coarse. It won't last long. And then we can't blame him because this is the material we offered. So behind the visible things, there's a whole invisible world of forces, uh, of thoughts, of uh, hopes, of despair, of desires, of wishes, of anguish and all the countless multiple things which we are experiencing all the time but we are not aware. Why we are not aware? Because we are lost in the outer play. Now this is one thing which uh, is one of the first steps in yoga is to step back and see what is happening inside us, not what is happening outside us. Because this inside us is going to Decide what's going to happen tomorrow. It has such a big role to play. The mother would often, you know, remind uh, sadhaks and make them conscious when they would say, Mother, I am afraid this may happen. And she would say that, look, your fear is going to attract something which you, you, and later on you say, look, I was afraid of it. You know, there is a nice joke among the doctor circles uh, that's, you know, hypochondriasis is people who, Imagine a disease, it's not a good term. <laughs> so they imagine I have this disease, that disease, and this disease, and that disease. So after a while, doctors label, oh, he's a hypochondriac. So they don't, you know, 
see him thoroughly and after a while he, the word goes around oh he is a hypochondriac this goes on let's say somebody at 25 30 you know has a state of hypochondriasis now at 80 85 when he actually has he is likely to have let's say a massive heart attack and people say he's a hypochondriac so there is a uh, epitaph that uh, a hypochondriac made for himself and said please put it outside my grave and the epitaph said that look didn't i tell you so that i have a problem <laughs> now you see this i have a problem okay there is a problem at some level but how much we are contributing to uh, these events to these um, you know this what is going to happen tomorrow uh, and you see you can learn if we are observant we will see this everywhere i was just traveling even this time and i was thinking look you know i was traveling by british airways and i was thinking it's not even uh, 70 years that india was under the subjection to the british rule for hundreds of years and uh, and if you look at it in one level it's like india was looted it's literally a organized robbery to say the least but i was wondering that uh, as indians we don't feel any kind of you know Uh, hate or any kind of you know you other people who which is very good it's beautiful that we don't feel like that it's something amazing for a nation to rise up without that feeling which often people would nurture as a subject nation that look you know we have it's you know there was not even this sense that we are uh, oh we have been uh, suffer we have been persecuted we have been suffering because of these guys uh, it's it's something amazing it speaks uh, volumes about the states of consciousness maybe somebody else would have uh, lived for centuries and there are uh, human groupings like that you know which play the role of being a persecuted one and you know go around doing all kinds of things <laughs> i am the victim so we don't have that victim mentality and it was something beautiful and it connected me this little experience i was having in the f- flight it connected me to something which shobindo wrote um in in his bangla writings it's in dharma and bande matram during the uh, you know revolutionary movement in the thick of that freedom movement he says while we have to make sure that we regain our independence political freedom it's it's necessary and he was the one person who spoke in no uncertain terms about it he says yet we should be careful not to have any kind of hatred anger or sense of animosity against the british it was amazing you know that writing that how you are clear on your objective but you are keeping the inner state clean is the secret of karma yoga because if you don't keep the inner state clean you achieve an objective but this is going to now create an event tomorrow and when i look at it the whole cycle of karma how it turns back just to complete this whole reflection that came to me then look what has happened now india is not turn back we are friends with british i mean if you look at it that way politically and otherwise we are friends but look what's happening in great britain i mean it's a churning it's a breaking it's it's like the whole isolation economy you know everything is getting affected as if something is you know begun to go downhill it's it's very strange so what is going to take place much later is being formed inside us that's why it's so important to be conscious of what's happening inside then what's happening outside sometimes too much exposure to you know these news and events can have a very you know it triggers a chain of thoughts and feelings uh, which is not very healthy 
again another example of shirobindo in 1914 1516 when the world is caught up in the grip of the most violent asuric and vital forces look how shirobindo saw this event if you read through the causes of world war the causes are given as four main causes you know imperialism militarism um, then you know economic um, differences etc uh, shubindo saw it as the stooping down upon earth of the vital forces why because a new creation was going to come now it's a very different vision far avenues of the beyond he was as if watching over at that time that there is a new creation which is going to come it's unimaginable i mean after 100 years we can say yes yes things have happened things have changed the world has changed but how in 1914 1915 1916 17 when the world was caught in the grip of the double asura on one side we had the great war going on on the other side a massive flu epidemic in which more people were killed incidentally than the war many other kinds of isms from you know superstitions to imperialism to you know the giant of communism which was uh, swelling earth in its own way at that point of time what is the news that shurabindo is bringing to humanity a new creation is round the corner it's that's that's how we should be able to look at thing at one place he says wherever thou seest a great destruction be sure of a great beginning and then he goes one step further the greater the destruction the greater the possibilities of the new creation when all is demolished then everything is ready for something completely new now it may sound like a great philosophy but it's it has tremendous importance in yogic practice in practice in everyday life one of the big challenges i find with people who are reading shurabindo and they often say we don't understand it's not about not understanding but because there's so many structures within our mind so many philosophies so many opinions view points so when we read shurabindo we see from that lens i met people you know i read traditional vedanta and so they come and say you know which school of vedanta does he belong to i said no school shurabindo is out of school <laughs> he has graduated done his masters and phd and out so he doesn't belong to any school now people have to fit him into a slot oh is this vishishta advaita <laughs> i said call it whatever people ask these questions to shivindo also incidentally <laughs> you may put it in whichever block you want to that's your limitation it's not shivindo's limitation because the mind is constantly comparing contrasting and free the mind of these structures and you see something very beautiful emerging see it in the light of the quest of aspiration what do i want i don't want a philosophy of vedanta and you know big lecture on that that's not my necessity my necessity or my aspiration is how this earth can become beautiful as simple as that how my life can become beautiful to say the least now can my life become beautiful with all the various theories and systems what is the essence of it all if we go back to all these various schools and systems of philosophy the essence which is the beautiful thing ever uttered and for which you know hats off to all these great rishis within india that man your essential nature is divine now there cannot be a more profound truth oh if that's my truth then there is hope for me there is hope for everybody it's not that man your essential nature is evil 
and the divine is somewhere out there you know this is our conception you are divine it's it's a very powerful rest is really not important if that is the case then it's possible for me to live this truth which is my truth which is everybody's truth which is the world's truth this world is god fulfilled in its outwardness all the time this truth is trying to express itself through countless ways and all that we can do is which is in our hands is to an extent i can either facilitate its emergence or i can block its emergence i can delay its emergence i can shorten the process i can make it more painful i can make it beautiful i can make it smooth to an extent as i said or i can make it full of obstacles that's all i can do but this secret truth is bound to prevail now the moment we understand it then the whole thing about sherbindo speaking of divinizing humanity it all becomes clear it's natural it's the most inevitable thing if there is the divine present in creation as all the great scriptures affirm at least the indic scriptures whether it be hinduism or you know uh, sikhism two main streams uh, then it affirms that there is the divine who is fundamentally present in creation if the divine is present in creation then what is the ultimate niyati of creation destiny it is to become divine because what is at the core is bound to express itself so then we look at the process of yoga is very natural what does desire do it prevents from that free emergence why because very simple which mothers would know very well that when they are cooking a nice dish they don't like if the child i mean they don't mind but if the child keeps coming and saying mama can you pour a little more salt into it <laughs> I think it's a little less mama can you make it this way i saw on the tv a program what will the mama say after a while tu ja ke khel hai na main kar rahi hu of course children don't much interfere but but that's what you would say that's the most logical thing that you know trust in me i am going to do it i love you more than you love the food so i am going to prepare a nice dish for you well you wait and just trust what i am doing for you and receive it as prashad now you know this is this exactly what the yoga of shurvind and the mother is <laughs> if you look at it that way trust the divine mother she is preparing a nice dish for us actually you know it may sound very strange but actually there is a prayer of the mother she speaks of this prayer in in a conversation with the disciple and this prayer is uh, incidentally somewhere around 1919 1920 about 100 years back just before her return from japan to india so she writes of this prayer as oh lord the meal that i had i had prepared for thee since man refused the meal that i had prepared for you, for you i offered it back to thee because man refused she has prepared a nice meal what is this meal this is a meal of new creation and what what we what what is needed from our side very simple mother says at one place lot of problems of human beings will be solved if they understood that the divine is at least a little more wiser than them <laughs> lots of problems <laughs> we want to solve all the problems of creation you know <laughs> man still a child in nature's mighty hands in the succession of the moment lives to a changing present is his narrow right he sees imagined garments not a face his memory stares back at a phantom past the future flees before him as he walks this savitri our present state yet we want to decide everything 
We want to organize life, change it. And how we want to do it? In our own mental ways. We are very limited. But if we could hand it over to the divine, say, look, I don't understand. And it's logical because in our present state, of course, it could be said that in our highest state, we are the authors of creation. But in our present ignorant state, we didn't create human nature. And how will we find the key to change it? It's, it's simple logic. It doesn't require any you know, deep thinking to understand this. We didn't create nature. And within it, a wisdom is working. So how can we change it? By referring it back to the source, the one from which it has come. So it's very logical. He says, open to the mother, learn to trust upon her, and she will do the change. She's cooking a lovely dish. Learn to receive it like a gift of grace. Sometimes the dish is not very tasty. And the mothers have their own logic. Why did I make this? <laughs> so this is when we look at life that way, things begin to change. So this is the second layer where we can help in the emergence of this reality into the situation and circumstances or we can hinder it. The whole yoga is about it. But this is bound to emerge. You know, if, if we don't allow, if we create obstacles for a long time, it will crash through. And when it crashes through, it can be disaster. This is the whole story of Hiranyakashipu and uh, Prehlad. There is a reality hidden inside matter. And Prehlad says it is there. And he says, no, I am the reality, my ego. So there is a fight and ultimately he says, he breaks open and what emerges is a disaster to the world at that point of time. Of course, Hiranyakashipu dies, but also, you know, the whole world is threatened. Even the the gods in the heavens, they begin to shake because it's a reality which has emerged when man is not ready to receive, even the gods are not ready. That's why the urgency of becoming ready. I feel more and more we are living in an age when we are not left to our own resources alone. It's a tremendous grace. But there is a pressing need to become ready for this new force, this new consciousness which is active. Now, there is a third deeper layer at which events are formed, of which we are most of the time not conscious. But that's where we have a real role to play. And that is the aspiration of our soul. What do we really aspire for? What we aspire for will manifest. If not today, then tomorrow. Aspiration is very different from thought. Though it can take the form of thought. It can exist independent of thought. Now, if I aspire for a beautiful world, for a beautiful tomorrow, even if it's very small, little spot of light, maybe just a dot, it has its importance. You know, when people uh, sometimes to show the insignificance of man, which is also important at one level, you know, you have that um, Carl Sagan's universe in which he says, you know, this is a little planet, little dot over which we live. And we fight and we do this and we do that. It's good to see that. It's a sobering effect because it makes us understand the humility that look, you know. But look at it from another perspective. In this whole mass of darkness with little dots of light, on this little dot which we call as planet Earth, there are little tiny seemingly insignificant human beings whose, whose quest has taken the form of conquering the universe. It's not a joke. It's a great event. Little dot. But there are human beings who aspire and achieve. 
already you know we talk about space travel and going beyond so we should not you know both things exist simultaneously if i aspire today however insignificant it may be however small it may appear it has a tremendous role because it is going to have an impact tomorrow and that's what i like beautiful about you know one of the things that when this world is all around there is war and chaos and strife can we imagine first world war many of us become cynics despair with oh what to do you know this what is happening this is the present president or this is the present uh, you know government in india of course we have a rising sun but it's not on that that we need to have a hope if we have hope from people and governments then it will be misplaced because these things change that is an instrument the real hope is on the fact that there is divine within creation and he is emerging that's what shirobindo in 1914 he writes in the arya you know he started with that 21st june as the yoga day and how he has seen and foreseen and worked out everything for this great emergence so this is these are the three levels at which any events take place what we see on the surface is the result of the past momentum which carries on for a long time it's like i was you know every time you can learn all the time so though i had a good night sleep i said one hour i'll just take a take rest it was i think 12 noon and i i was sure like half an hour 45 minutes i'll get up like i do normally my afternoon siesta but i'm feeling as if you know suddenly a load of drowsiness has come in and i'm i'm accustomed to this but still so i open the watch and see the time is 146 so i said look how habit has a hold upon us so i have to wake up my inner being wants to wake up and be fully active but out of habit so many events and circumstances are nothing but by the force of past habit because it's still tuned to india time it's midnight my body wants sleep not because it needs sleep it has slept well thanks to <laughs> lovely <laughs> but it need it there is an artificial want simply because of habit many things which we call today as wants and needs are neither needs nor wants it's just habit see the small little things make us learn so much so what do i do i can either succumb under the habit okay it's okay let me you know sleep another hour or my inner being takes the fight no i have to wake up so there is a tussle between the mind and the body well the mind ultimately you know you wake up now this is the two levels at which so they there are events which are nothing but past habit because you know uh, there have been tendencies which have gone into the world play uh, commercialism hatred greed so they have an impact upon the events and they are manifesting but also we can begin to change it our internal structure our thoughts feelings hopes and now they are going to form the future so it's so important that what i am going to do today is going to form an event tomorrow well that tomorrow will be i don't know but it's bound to have an impact that's how it operates and deep within the deepest level is the soul's aspiration so very often you know people i have seen so many movements and so many you know people come with questions and all kinds of things and uh, you know they have done some practice here and there and uh, 
nothing new. See, very often the old is sold as new. New method of pranayam. Pranayam is as old as man. You didn't need a teacher to teach pranayam. Human beings learned that by controlling your breath, mastering your breath, you actually have more power. I am sure it like very first humans would have learnt it. <laughs> Animals know it, incidentally. They know that if I stay still, I'll become a powerhouse of energy the next moment. You don't need to spend thousand dollars to have a course to understand this simple thing, you know. Of course, <laughs> it's... <laughs> The other person will have a good empire. It's a different thing altogether. But it's as simple as that. It just needs a little bit of introspection and common sense to see. Observe yourself and you'll see when we are angry what happens to the breath. And when we are quiet what happens to the breath. That's all that is required. And also to see when we are in higher states of consciousness what happens to the breath. There is a spontaneous pranayam. And what happens when we are in lower states of consciousness even though we may be meditating, seemingly meditating. How chaotic the breath and heartbeat can run. It just requires it. It doesn't need any big uh, seven-day course to do that. But there is something else which we can, and that is the new thing that can be participate, which is what I feel is the exceptional privilege. And that's where I would like to close with this uh, event, which you were referring to, uh, because yesterday we were having a discussion, and this year we are having the 50th anniversary of an event which took place on 1st January 1969. Anyone aware of that event? It was one of the things that Jugalda, who is, uh, you know, who was a very um, well-known name in Shurabindu Ashram. So when I had just joined the ashram, he told me, do you remember what took place on 1st January 1969? So I told him, remember not in the sense, but you know, have you read? He was very happy. That was his way of knowing whether this fellow is <laughs> has read or not. He was very happy. One of the first things, I had just joined the nursing home. He says, oh, I am so happy that you are aware of it. What happened on 1st, December, 1st January 1969, Mother speaks of it as the super, descent of the superman consciousness. So, you know, between man and the supramental being, there is a big, big gap. Almost an unimaginable gap. Because we know our present state. Even to conceive of the supramental being is like for human beings conceiving, you know, an impossibility. But the superman is within the reach. He is the intermediary between man and the supramental being. In, in one sentence, superman is a being with a transformed inner consciousness. But with the body is still animal. So more and more we are going to see these uh, children who are going to emerge who will have more and more of this new consciousness which is the superman consciousness which is already round the corner which is already taking more and more human beings in its fold who will find ways and means for the transmutation of the body. This is how Shubhinda has said. Now what is this consciousness? What are some characteristics? One of the characteristics of this consciousness and we'll it will answer many of the questions that mothers have. What's happening to today's children? Why do they all sleep late and wake up late? <laughs> it's happening by the way universally. So more or less, you know. Um, <laughs> so, if 
why, do, why don't they listen to elders? As if you are worth listening, that's a different question altogether. <laughs> why do they just want to do things on their own, you know? You see, what is happening is now the, the locus of action used to be outside in, in a certain generation. Which means that we decided the choice of our action based on something external to us. Maybe parents, maybe society, maybe a religious scripture, maybe a book. But the authority was outside. But the true thing starts when the locus is inside. Meaning thereby, I choose and I decide. Now this is understandable when the shift takes place. There is going to be a chaos. We are so used to listening to somebody and acting. You know the problem with that? I am not responsible for what I do. I remember, you know, when people used to debate about then love marriages had just started. It was looked down upon, you know. So love marriages versus arranged marriages. So there was a very interesting, <laughs> interesting logic which both sides gave. You can use that same logic either ways. So one, one of the person says, you know, I would prefer an arranged marriage. Why? If something goes wrong, I can blame my parents. <laughs> the same logic can be used the other way. I would prefer love marriage because if something goes wrong, I am the one who has to work it out. It's not, I can't blame it on somebody. So people try to work it out because, you know, they are responsible for what they have done. Now, it's true that on one side we think is a more secure life. But secure life is also a life which is unprogressive. A life which is stuck in its comfort zones. It's known, you know, most people, why it happens, except for a few, the flame that we see in youth, it begins to come down after a certain age, you know. Very strange, after 30, 35 all those questions, the quest, that aspiration, you are in a very com comfort zone of your life. Precisely because you are in comfort zone. So comfort zones are not always good. So now children are beginning to make their own choices. Right or wrong, they have to go through this passage. If you, humanity has to awaken to a deeper self, they have to go through a phase. When they make their choices, make the wrong choices, then eventually discover the true law of their being. So, the mother explains very beautifully, the superman is someone who will discover his own ethical standard from within. Meaning, he is not going to act according to fixed notions of what is right and wrong from an external point of view. What may appear wrong? We, our idea of right and wrong is based on like, you know, Barbad ho jayega, kya fayda hoga, dukhi hoga. I don't care about it. I still must live my own life. You know, that's the famous dialogue in one of the movies that I know, Papa, I am not the child that you would have wanted me to be. <laughs> but I must say that I am the child that I wanted myself to be. It's a very powerful statement. And you know, maybe if you know who I am, you will love me because you know, I am what I have wanted myself to be. Now, this is a new trend which has started. This is going to grow more and more. It's going to, it has already spun out of control because the superman is bound to have his locus of control within himself. 
he will discover his own ethical standards which are not going to be the same as of the world we are leaving behind so on one side the measures are going to fall away on the other side children become more and more inwardly committed and responsible rather than committed and responsible because of the pressures of the society around them so this is one of the changes in a superman second thing she says is it's a vast consciousness it doesn't live in for limited gains for small little benefits it's a vast consciousness he describes it as luminous and smiling and compassionate and benevolent this state of compassion which i see in many people who are coming up that's why you know your movements now like animals and all this activists have come up it's it's a good thing this is how compassion develops we read about all these things and still we are very careless when we deal with other human beings we want manners but manners are they are all show pao lagta hu lekin andar mein hai ki wo bade horrible person manners are deceptive things it is what is important is inwardly what's happening so this is the direction that humanity is going to take because of the emergence of this superman consciousness which is very vast which is benevolent which is not going to live in fixed boundaries or zones of systems philosophies beliefs and religions all this is bound to go away because this is something new un- unprecedented it's not a belief system it's a way of being she says that very clearly it's not a new new faith in that sense that there is a new gospel and a new belief system and new religion mother says a new religion will not only be useless but harmful because religion is a boundary and humanity will break free the religion was necessary at a stage of evolution it was like a little pot in which you put a sapling but a time comes when the pot must break and the sapling has to be transplanted in the wide open space so all this is happening simultaneously because of the descent of the superman consciousness and this was necessary because you know uh, otherwise the leap there will be a big gap swami vivekananda did say time will come when every human being will have his own religion dharma now own religion not in the sense of a formal religion every human being will have his own path because path is everywhere path is not in a textbook classical methods of yoga karma yoga gyana yoga bhakti yoga dhyana yoga you have raj yoga it is still a limited thing we don't find that in madhuran shubindo every day event of life for a seeker is yoga either a way to unite with the true self or a way to get disconnected why should there be a way and a method which is limited in both its scope and as well as in practice everything can become a path because the master is everywhere and the path is everywhere let me close with a little event uh, very interesting experience of the mother which is described uh, as part of the conversations which has come in volume 11 notes on the way but it's not there in notes on the way it's part of the larger conversation where mother you know many of the great paths yogis 
she had experienced all this there in prayers and meditation where she experiences successively each of the realizations uh, it is described in a simple prayer of the mother that thou hast made me taste all the past realizations but uh, once he has the experience of all these great masters and real, realized beings opening a window and showing her that come see my path and she sees and says it's uh, yeah, it's all right but it's a very small narrow little window so see appreciate but like this not it it's it's still a narrow path then there is a man sitting in purple robes and he tells her why don't you taste my dish so she goes there and tastes the dish she says wow this is really delicious now here tasting the dish is not just the dish in that sense like right? it's like i am offering my consciousness you taste it so she says this is delicious so then she asked him what is your path and he says i have no path this the mother puts it in one of her conversations in this way she says if you have the quest and the aspiration even the extra vagances of the american youth are a path so let me stop with this um, um little background or maybe a big background <laughs> want to have questions now or want to have a break or whatever way you want we can have couple of questions now and then sure, we yeah. can have yes